When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cart McCross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Cart McCross Credit Union likes to say I do when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Cart McCross or cartmacrosscu.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Hope you had a lovely Easter. Wasn't the weather gorgeous and you did your duties, etc. You're welcome to a brand new week of late lunch. I love these weeks, these short weeks. And at this time of the year, we get a few of them and they are so welcome. But thank God for the weather. Wasn't it just gorgeous in this neck of the woods? Well, today I can tell you on late lunch, I'm upbeat But I'm sad in another way because it's his last time with us on the show and he's been a staple of this show since it began and I've always enjoyed his company and he always has something to say and we appreciate it. And he's back for the final time. You know who I'm talking about. Father Michael Cusack, great to see you again. Thank you, Jerry, and lovely to be back here with your listeners. Will you tell me this? Last time you were here, you were banging the drum for the big charity night you were doing before you left Dundalk. Remind us of the charities again, who are the they? The charities were the Birches, yep. the Maria Gretti Foundation in Lordship and the Dundalk Simon Community. How much did you make? €30,000 in one night. Woohoo! My That's fantastic. God almighty, yeah. isn't that just something else? So 10000 for each. 10000 for each. And it was an amazing night. Oh my God, anything like the buzz that was there. It was fantastic to look around. And the crowd, we were thronged, absolutely thronged. A great auction at it. Fantastic raffle, 110 prizes at the raffle, all given, you know. So there was great goodwill and great goodness. But the buzz in the place was incredible. And uh, everybody up dancing, of course, the band, us, were there and... They did their their Mm. magic. My God, there's no reason why they should be off the road. They were superb, absolutely superb. (laughs) It was a fantastic night and everybody's still talking about it. You know, Mm. the one thing that that struck me, actually, I pulled it into my my, uh, reflection for the Easter Vigil was, you know, there was just a wealth of, of happiness and goodwill there. And yet, as I looked around, I could see so many different stories of people whose lives I had the privilege of of walking alongside or entering into, you know, because of of sickness or bereavement or tragedy. Um, And yet they were there, you know, showing gratitude and and celebrating. And Mm. I suppose that's what Easter's about. You know, we have the Good Friday experience and then we have this fantastic uh, good news of, of Easter that that that, that we can look forward and hope. Talk about going out with a bang. My word, that is fabulous. Congratulations to you and everybody involved. Now, 
you you are gone or you're going at the minute. You're you're, you're really finished, aren't I you? I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Yeah, I I am supposedly, but you know the new rector has been announced. That's Father Noel Kyo. He Noel has, is the rector in Clonard at the moment. Um, he's he's be moving down whenever he's ready. Yes. Um, but he has to finish off some jobs in Clonard. Uh, Father Brendan Callan, who'd be my vicar or understudy in, in Dundalk, he actually got moved as well. So he's moved as to be rector in uh, Athenry in in Galway, and so. Brendan will be leaving in a week or two and I sort of have to stay there you can't you can't abandon the ship so uh, <laughs> not that the ship's going down but the captain has to, I'll, I'll be up in the deck somewhere sunning myself I think <laughs> Anyway you look at your departure is imminent we know that and that's why you're here today um, when you reflect now you, you entered the priesthood at what age? 16 years of age How many 16. years ago is that now? That's 38 years ago. And you were a priest ordained almost 30 years, is Ordained it? 29 years, yeah. yeah. Nine years of formation. Uh, I entered... Uh, in, in those days, this is back in the early 80s, 1981, the Redemptors came to, to Carrick and Cross on a mission in 1980, and that's where I met them. I mean, you wouldn't send a 16-year-old to the shop now, probably. <laughs> You'd be afraid they wouldn't come back. But off I went after doing my leave insert uh, with your own Michael Crawley here. We were in the one year, and uh, I took off to... Now, he didn't take the collar on. No, he didn't. And I suppose, as I said recently... But he could say mass. Yes, and he probably could have done it better than and me. And find the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he could probably moralise as well. But we're not going down that one. Um, that's not for me to say. But it was a surprise for the lads in my class, you know, that I was going off to, to Galway. It was nearly a surprise for myself. But it, it was on the flow of things I went off to Galway and studied then in UCG. And um, there was a big gang of us. There were there were 19 of us entered. And I'm the only one of the 19 that's that's a priest today, you know. So yeah. it shows a huge fallout or else or else I just haven't found my way out. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you had the, had the, the wherewithal for the long road as they say where have you served we know you're too long stint in Dundalk but where else I had a long stint in Athenry in Esker um, in the early years and um, then four years in Brazil um, that's that's really it uh, I had there was a six year intern period there from maybe 2005 until 2011 and I was sort of all over the place I was vocations director and I was living in Dublin then living in Athenry uh, and working with retreat stuff and um, it was sort of a higgledy-piggledy uh, few years possibly what I'm heading into now but I don't I don't see this being six years I have hardly the six left <laughs> <laughs> and you're two stints in the dock the first year you came what you I came in 99 and then w- served and then when? I served two terms back then the terms were three year terms yeah. and I was re-elected for the second term um, reappointed and that got, kept me there till 2005 and then I had to leave because our constitution says once you do two terms in leadership you must move on mm. and that's why now having done uh, the, the new term length is four years having done two four year lengths um, I came back in 2011 and I've completed uh, those eight years now and I you know that you have to move on you know even though your heart mightn't want to or your head doesn't want to but I have to but like you know four years down the road now I could be back again Yes You say that with regret yes oh I do in terms of moving on you know I can't change I can't change the way the way our congregation is ordered but you know the world is changing our congregation because we have so few people left in it and there are there is no real new blood coming in and our reality our day-to-day reality is very changed really and we we don't really adapt quick enough to those scenarios you know many people in Dundalk have met over the over the last number of months have been saying why change what's working you know and that is a that's a valid uh, point to make. You know, I've been here and I've established myself. You know, it's, I suppose part of it 
is, if my own boys were, were, were trying to debate this back to me, they'd say, well, actually, eight years is long enough. You need a break after that. You could be burnt out, you know, and you can easily get burnt out. Um, I know that experience already. And, and I know that the, the building um, project down there was very taxing on me. Uh, it still hasn't fully finished, even though, like, I started into that thinking it was an 18-month job. We're into year four nearly at this stage. Mm. and uh, But it's nice to see what has been achieved. And tomorrow... As, as you know, we're having the all-day um, coffee morning that we have. It always the Wednesday after Easter Sunday, and it will be in the new hall. So it gives an opportunity to see what's been achieved. But there's still work to be done there, and um, the bigger work really isn't isn't the structure of the building. It's trying to keep the spirit of the Redemptress moving on and alive and trying to plan for a future when maybe there won't be Redemptress as in ordained ministers. That's a very hard one to tackle and to wonder about. Um, I'm thinking of the terrible tragedy in Sri Lanka um, this week. We have so many wonderful priests. Um, our own men would have ministered in Sri Lanka and in India and set up a phenomenal uh, province of Redemptress there. Some who who are just wonderful preachers and we've had back here over the years uh, from the from the different provinces there in Goa. Uh, maybe that is the future. I mean, we look at that too. Do we start inviting redemption? Because we're a worldwide family. Do we start inviting those who, who speak well our language? And I think that's an important thing. People are having difficulty maybe here in, in the receiving back of people from other nations who don't communicate too clearly. And that's not a, you know, that isn't an issue of racism. It's an issue of understanding. Of I, I know down the West, uh, there's, a, there's a lovely priest from, I think he's from Argentina, but the people don't understand the word he says, but they, says he, they say he has a lovely smile and that helps, you know. I mean, I don't know what a lovely smile have done me for the last eight years here, but uh, certainly you'd like to think that there's a way of bringing forward the gospel and also a way that wouldn't compromise what we have achieved. And that would be, if I was to try and evaluate what what we have achieved in Dundalk, the Redemptors are there a hundred and whatever, 40, 50 years now in Dundalk, but certainly over my tenure, I think from 1999, and due to the goodness of so many people, we have created a wonderful space of, of of good liturgy to begin with, but I think also of welcome and warmth and uh, uh, where people feel that they can come and, and be themselves and be included and be heard. You see, I see here you have the voice of the Northeast for LMFM. In many ways, maybe people found their voice at the Redemptorists, you know, over the years. In fact, this Easter Saturday now for the proclamation, and it was really in a way by accident when I think of it um, Sarah Connolly who's one of our cantors she was the cantor for the Exalted now that if you brought that to Rome I'm sure I'd be banished to the outer Hebrides you know never to return again because it would be said well that's a job for a man or that's a job for a deacon I mean there's nothing more ridiculous she did a phenomenally good job and you're sitting and you're thinking God why did I stress myself to try and learn off the Exalted you know over the years when there was Sarah who fitted into the role you know absolutely perfectly. There's no reason. I look back at the gospel reading was a gospel that spoke of four women and more women who went to announce that Jesus was risen from the dead. And of course, they didn't believe them. They said, that's a load of nonsense because it was coming from the women, you know. And yet, there they are, the first proclaimers of the gospel. And here was Sarah Connolly, you know, proclaiming the exalted. But here's the thing. You say that we may reach a day sooner rather than later when there are no redemptorist priests. Should there be redemptorist women saying Mass? 
Oh, well, they never... <laughs> God, you're jumping You're jumping no, no, a huge no, no, river no. now. I am, I am. But, yeah. you know, you say there are women in the church, you know, who could, you know, in effect, step in there. But Rome sure. says no. no. Well, you see, well, and it'll, it's Rome that'll judge that one, you know, and, and, and Rome that dictates on that grounds. I mean, I don't think whatever about getting away with somebody singing the exalted, <laughs> I couldn't sit, sit Sarah in to say a mass next week. I have a few down there who might say I'm, it, you know. I'm but, sure you have. But, no, we have... Yeah, no, no, it, but it I'm would saying, be fantastic to see that. Yeah. No, yeah, you won't. What I'm saying is, look, we're getting to the point where you have women religious as well, and they do their studies and they go through their time. That's what I'm getting at. The laymen and laywomen will always have to, and are a big part of the church and have to be. They are the church. But I'm saying to you that somebody who puts in the time, studies, dedicates themselves for life, surely... I mean, this is heresy. I'm saying, of course, it's heresy. It's not to heresy. No, this. it's not heresy. I think it's. I think it's very valid, and and I would agree with you. I mean, I when I worked in Brazil, I mean, some of the m- most phenomenal work I saw done was by the Louis sisters. You know, they could do everything except it was like you could do everything to the cooking of the turkey, but you couldn't eat it. Like you know, mm. but f- because for them they were fantastic at preaching. They had a great insight into the gospel. You know, no more than I mean, the insight. This is where this is where the male female dis- divide is utterly ridiculous. You know. If you're looking for nonsense, that's where your nonsense is. But um, yeah, I think I think it's a long way off. Uh, I would love to see it happen. You know, people say, "Do you not think priests should marry?" All those things, I think, are on the table, but they won't resolve where we're at today. I really don't believe they will. I think if you if tomorrow morning you said, "Okay, all priests can marry and we and all women can can be ordained," I don't think it's going to resolve the issues of faith for this part of Europe at this time in our history. I really don't, because I think we've become almost um, too too cynical and too too commercial and far too sure of ourselves and reliant on on gimme, 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 rather than let me give a little. That's the world we're in. I have to say, when I reflect at times, I could not disagree with you. And I think it is a huge issue for humankind and society, as you say, in this part of the world. Father Michael Cusick is staying with us. It's his final hurrah. Yes, he's leaving Dundalk very shortly indeed. If you'd like to comment, 86 658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can call in now on 1850-715-958. Father Michael, as you say goodbye to Dundalk, and I did cop something on your saying previously. When Once you take a break, you could do another stint. So watch this space. You never know. Um, when you reflect on your two long time uh, associations with Dundalk with the wee break in the middle, there has to be a time a real high is there are a high point and were there times that were really challenging, you know, on both extremes? I think there are, there were, you know, over over the, the years. It's very hard to separate um, moments one out of another because every day presents its own challenges. And I don't know, one of the most difficult parts for me of this life is that from one day to the next, I can't plan because there are things like sickness and, and deaths and tragedies that happen and they throw everything up in the air. I suppose many people will say, that possibly the most prominent moment I had was at the funeral of Adrian Donoghue, yeah. uh, which was a huge, huge tragedy. But then that was followed on very quickly by Tony Golden, you know, Martin Mulligan. There were lots of terrible tragedies and murders in the area. And there were things where you had to step up to the plate and do your best to be with the families. There were certainly very, very challenging moments um, and, and moments of, of great blessing. A bit, I think, like this um, murder in, in, in Derry last week, you know, they're, they're catalysts really for for resolve in a community. And certainly we'd have felt that in Dundalk very much, that, that we're not going to tolerate this type of, uh, of 
blackguard and, and violence and but of course it continued again and again and again and this is where communities need to need to be stronger in in their unity um, somebody was telling me today something as simple as you know pride in our area um, there were photographs and papers of absolute horrific dumping of of, of waste in different um, areas of leisure over the weekend you know where people have absolutely no regard for the hard work of people who who work with tidy towns and not not just for the competition but out of pride for their area and I I think that would be the real high point for me of Dundalk is is getting to know and being accepted by um, a whole community who let me be me and not that I'm the most difficult person in the world by any manner of means but I think when you're able to to be yourself as a human being and not have any extras um, added onto it or any higher expectations really. I mean, I could, I could freely go into most places in Dundalk and be welcomed and Dundalk is a fantastically welcoming place as indeed is Drogheda too, you know, and the whole surrounding area because our catchment area is much bigger than just Dundalk. Um, working with the Novenas has always been a phenomenal blessing uh, for me. Uh, hearing many, many absolutely incredible stories of good news where people have longed for the gift of life and what they believe to be the intercession of St. Jared Magella, our great uh, patron there in, in the Redemptorist Church, uh, having the gift of new life given to them is wonderful. Uh, funerals and sicknesses are always terrible, but the, the the community rally around together and they help each other and they support each other and there's great solidarity. And for me as a priest, to be able to somehow be with families at those times that are extremely challenging. I mean, some of the really, really difficult ones for me now will be dealing with babies and, you know, newborn babies or um, the the tragedy of the loss of your, your own son or daughter through tragic circumstances is a very difficult one to walk alongside. And yet, like, I, I can see myself as a more compassionate and a more caring, uh, a more sensitive individual because of all of that. Somebody pointed out the other day to me that maybe, maybe the experience after the the terrible um, tragedy in the nightclub in in Florida um, when the LGBT community were targeted and we had already had had uh, members of that community in as speakers in at the Novena that that was a catalytic moment as well you know for the Redemptorists because it opened up great space for people to feel a warmth of welcome for them and that their voice could be heard. You have done that year on year at the Novena. You've given voice to people who have probably traditionally been marginalised in a way and outside the door of the church and brought them centre stage. Let me read this to you. Well said, Father Michael. Life is all about getting more and more. People are never happy with what they've got. It's all about greed. More, more, more all the time. Good luck to you, Father Michael, and please come back soon to Dundalk. Now, while thank you indeed for that lovely comment. While we're on this, you are taking a year to reflect and you're going home. Is that it? Yes, to Yeah, I'm, I'm going to live down at home. Um, my, my father, as you you know, I passed away last year and my mother's uh, in the good care of my sister at the moment in Hedford. So, yeah, I'm going to just chill out back there and probably do have a, a whole, maybe I'll be a whole lot more busier than I've been because I have a lot of commitments that I still have in my diary around weddings and, you know, um, different events happening throughout the year. I'd like to think I'll get a time just to, to reflect and wind down and refocus. Um, I have a couple of ideas in my head um, and some of them might, might be better stayed in my head. Others I might try and work through a half 
thinking maybe write a book if, you know I've that as a niggling idea but maybe it'll never happen um, I never thought I'd be overseeing a building uh, in my life and yet I'd achieved that even though it they was They want you on Grand Designs on Channel 4 you're replacing Kevin McLeod you know that oh, after I this I love that programme It's fantastic programme yeah. I'm just thinking of you in that light but look at you have many thoughts of things to do do the book you should do the book Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a working title actually already in my head which is It Has To Be Said and I think that's a great working title because I can think of a whole whole range of things that that could be dealt with not just church issues but um, experiences in life where you really feel that something has to be said and should be said and ought to be said so it has to be said keep your eyes on on all good publishers Here's some more comments I'll not get to them all but I'll read these for you All the good ones have to move on Jerry, to inspire others elsewhere and that's so true of Father Michael the very best of luck to you another one says I would listen to Father Michael for hours and hours he's brilliant and he'll be sorely missed says another listener this afternoon and best of luck please God you'll be back <laughs> they want you back before he I hope, I'm, I'm sure you're filtering these comments I'm waiting <laughs> no, for that no, person no, no, that was no, on no, the no. last time that no, said I needed to quiet don't mind don't <laughs> mind that at all anyway just to mention the all day coffee morning in aid, in aid of the Birches Alzheimer's Daycare Centre happening tomorrow from 10 in the morning till 9 tomorrow night at St. Joseph's Redemptorist St. Gerard's Centre and you can call there there's a lunch break soup and sandwiches available from half 12 to 2 and everybody will be welcome and I'm going to get down there myself I promise you that tomorrow morning Yeah and remember you know the Birches is again I think this is one of the one of the things that's going to be fueling me but the Birches represents a group in our community generally the more elderly group but as you know Alzheimer's and dementia affects all ages but they're a group who really aren't sufficiently cared for by we're the, we're the discarded or they are the discarded group of our uh, of our community HSC governments all of the the political structures seem to work against them and I've noticed that increasingly in terms of medical care for the group that I've been minding of my own community and um, not that they were all in need of great care but there's a huge risk that we're going into a completely uncharted wrong area with that that there isn't sufficient care whatsoever given and kindness is the answer now I brought you as you know a little card today because Jerry, I think you and everyone here does phenomenal work. The little card I'm leaving with you says as I live each day and there's a little thought for the day in it that's fantastically I think motivating. As I live each day, may I do my part to make one difference, to touch one heart and through each day may it be my goal to encourage one mind and inspire one soul. I'll do that for you every day, I promise. That'd be fantastic. And I think, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing for a parent, for a grandparent, for a listener, for anyone in the community. Just inspire one person. And the flip side is also worth thinking of. Let's not damage the mind of anyone else by bad example. Father Michael Cusack, thank you for everything over the years. I wish you well. And I just had to finish with this one just for you because you are simply the best. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry, And thanks to all your listeners.
Oh, they love Father Cusack in Dundalk and they're really going to miss him. Best wishes. We'll miss you, Father Michael and Father Brendan Callaghan from the Terrible Twins and James and Mark. You're both one in a million. Joan Finnegan's been on. Hello, Joan. To wish Father Michael all the very best and to say how sorely he'll be missed. Another one, just want to wish Father Cusack all the best. Uh, what, uh, Whatever the future has in store for him. Such a lovely man. He married myself and my husband in 2012 and baptised our three daughters. He's a great sense of humour. He didn't bat an eye when myself and my husband went to meet him a week before we were married when my husband had a black eye. <laughs> I love it. And so on and so on they go. Uh, now, sad news reaching us today of the passing of former Celtic captain Billy McNeil, the man who lifted the European Cup on that fateful night in 1967 when Celtic won the trophy with a group of players born, all of them born within 30 miles of the team's home ground, Parkhead. He made 822 appearances. It wouldn't happen today, would it? Over 18 seasons uh, for the Green and White Hoops. And he won nine league titles, seven Scottish Cups, six League Cups, and, of course, that European Cup triumph in 1967. And, yes, he did join me here on Late Lunch back in 2009, the 4th of September. He came to studio along with Andrew Millen and Adrian Hillman. There was a big Celtic celebration on that weekend. And we were also joined that day by the late Tommy Gemmell, two of the Lisbon Lions. Now, that full interview will be podcast after the show on lmfm.ie. And it's well worth listening to the boys, I promise you. And this morning, I've extracted uh, certain aspects of Billy's chat to me that day to bring to you on late lunch this afternoon. So here we go, back to the 4th of September, 2009. 42 years on from 1967, that never-to-be-forgotten night in Lisbon. And you're still revered no matter where you go. How does that feel? Um, we get used to it. <laughs> and we, but we did enjoy the, the, the whole scene at that particular time because it, it was wonderful. Um, everything went right for us. Uh, they scored first. We we came on, and, and Tommy, as he did so often, produced a thunder thunderbolt and finished it off for them. But it was amazing. We we, we knew we had to, to to play really well because this was this was a, a, a team that had been uh, how can I say very successful in Europe. Really tremendous team, full of great players. Um, but they, I think that they underestimated the impact that we had as well. We had some fabulous players, players that could turn the game. Tommy, as I mentioned, scoring goals out of nothing at times. Jimmy Johnson, Bobby Lennox, Stevie Chalmers. Jimmy on the wing. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Um, Every time anybody starts to talk to me about that that final, tears come to my eyes. But uh, it was absolutely brilliant, absolutely terrific. When I was looking back today earlier on, I just noticed something that I wouldn't have been aware of. Glasgow Celtic in the pre-Jockstein era weren't the dominant club that we've known since. No, they weren't at all. In actual fact, um, I I remember vividly, I signed for Celtic uh, 1957. Um, By the time it came to about 62-63, it was apparent that the the club was not uh, being functioned properly. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I in the first season when Big Jock came, I had made up my mind that uh, if things didn't go well this, that season, then it was time for me to go get off. Not that I'd like to have done that, but uh, I would have missed 
I would have missed the European <laughs> final. Now that would have been the golden era. Oh, but that would have Steen made. Did he make such a difference? Yes. Why? Yes. Um, what he, had he? He just well, he had a he, he, he had a common sense touch. That he used to walk in and look at look at his players, knowing what they they were capable of. And then ask them to develop. He never pushed you too hard at any any given time. He wanted, but he always wanted you to 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 bring the total uh, ability that you had onto onto the field. And he worked very very hard at that. But the one thing that I think for most of us, he had been at Celtic Park before when we were all youngsters. Uh, playing, some of us playing the, the the reserve team and everything else, and Big Jock got to grips with that, and oh, lots of us we mem- we remembered it, and we never lost sight of it. And when he came back, we uh, the expression was that things were going to be exciting and were going to be happening. Uh, we won the we won the Scottish eight in a row, yeah, won the eight in a row in terms of league titles. Never yeah. been done. A, a first for for a club to do that. All mm. the cups you won, the league cups. Did you take much from him when you went on into your own managerial career to manage Celtic yourself, Man yeah. City, Aston Villa? Did you take a lot from Steen's well, way of operating? I, I tried to. Now maybe that was that was a mistake because you can only do what you can cope with, and to cope with Big Jock was was absolutely incredible. It really was. But to play with him at that particular time was brilliant. It was really marvelous. Training training altered. It became it became something that was exciting. Playing in the games, preparation for the games, absolutely brilliant. Everything everything was right. He never made many mistakes. The big man and. There was an awful break then before Celtic got back into a European final as recently as 2003 in Lisbon uh, where they lost there. What happened in the meantime? Did it, was it that European football moved on and Scottish football went back or how do you explain that? Well, you, you couldn't say that Celtic were the, 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 the type of, uh, of club that played in Scottish football because you had to, your game had to be much, much better than that. And it was something that we could do. We could lift our game. Um, that that uh, final at Feyenoord against Feyenoord sorry um, really hurt us dramatically um, and it took us a long time to get over it to recover but but what happened I think was that the the, the, the team then started to drift drift away and players went away we had we had lots of youngsters we had the Dalglishes the Macarys um, the Davidsons the McGrains who were absolutely brilliant players, and you know would, would, should have been uh, rightly fit to come in and and, and do something exceptional on but, the European stage. Yes, but they, then they they disappeared, and all of a sudden, the the, the quality of the, the 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 club dipped. Not only did the, the experienced players from the the the, the sixty seven final, you know. Other players then started to drift away. Stevie Chalmers went, Ronnie Simpson went, Tommy Gemmo went, Bobby Murdoch disappeared, um, and it, and it went that way. And I honestly think that uh, perhaps they were allowed to go just too early. It might have been better that they had stayed there and, and stayed on because they they knew what it was about. Then galvanised the by fellas. the Douglasian. Mm. Um, and and the uh, Macarys and the McGrains, it should have been an excellent side. It didn't happen that way, and 
you know, the te- I, th- I think some of the youngsters they were hungry about getting their own their own fame in the game, and all of a sudden they they had disappeared. And their way to England, and that. Yeah, it did. You remember playing Dundalk in, yeah. in the European Cup? They gave you a hell of a fright then, Billy. A seventy nine was it? Nil nil in Oriel Park, and they went to Celtic, and they weren't outclassed by any means. Three two. You just made it through. I would hope you'd have forgotten about that, to be quite <laughs> frank with you. That was the scariest night I've ever had in football, to be quite honest with you, because, um, you know, I remember the, 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 the stadium. The stadium was packed, and well, it didn't take an awful lot to pack yeah, the stadium, but it, but it wasn't venue, the biggest yes. in the world. Yeah. But it was terrifying, honestly. It was. I mean, our players were terrifying. I mean, the, Dundalk came it was like tornadoes and God knows what else you know and the name of God surely to heck this team's not going to be us and it was frightening it really was yeah they nearly all, did all, all credit to them I mean they, 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 were, they were absolutely different class mm. uh, on, on, the, the one the one night they were different class one was in their own ground and it, they were incredible. They and you were lucky to get out with a scoreless oh, draw God that almighty, evening. Oh, aye. We, run, we, we ran out. Never mind walking out. <laughs> oh, that was... That, that, now, that was a real difficult uh, cup tie. I can assure you on that one. Yes, the late Billy McNeil speaking to me in September 2009 here in this studio on Late Lunch. And we remember him today. And the full interview with Billy and the great Tommy Gemmell and other Lisbon line will be podcast today on lmfm.ie after the show. On the line is a man who was in studio with me that day. He met Billy McNeil on a number of occasions, I'm sure. Andrew Millen, PRO of St. Margaret's Celtic Supporters Club. A sad day, Andrew, for everybody associated with Glasgow Celtic. Yeah, it's a very sad day. Although we knew he was, his, he had dementia and his health was deteriorating over the last couple of months, it still comes with a shock to to the fans. And I think the tributes that have been pouring in today on on the TV and the radio is just unbelievable to regard his health. I remember that day. I can still see him here. Uh, a tall man carried himself brilliantly. He was an imposing figure, wasn't he? Jerry, a humble man, a gentleman, a man of the people. Um, you know, he he he'd done everything as Celtic as both a player and as a manager. And then, like from that, from I picked him up in the air for that day until he left the northeast, he had time for everybody. Mm. You know, it's something that maybe is missing in the modern day footballer. Yes, and a one club man as well. Look at the amount of games. Can you just clarify that? I said eight in a row to him. Did he win nine in a row at Celtic or was he it eight? Won, he, he won nine in a row, I think, as, and he won, he possibly won four as manager as well. He, yeah. I think in total he's 31 trophies, including the European Cup. Mm. 31 winners, medals, which is Incredible. Incredible, yeah, incredible. But you had the uh, uh, the joy of having him with you that weekend because I was with you at the function as well. I remember that night, and he was—he was so warm, so engaging. You just couldn't but love him. Ah, uh, Jerry, and I remember we had a lunch in Hannity's yes. on Saturday, Saturday, and it was packed upstairs, and he was just—you know—like he—he just played down, you know, his achievements, which is like. You know, like for someone who had won so much, and we see so many modern day footballers, and they, they maybe have won nothing, and like they're put in the pedestal. But these these truly were. But I think it was because of the time they were. You know, they lived in the community with the fans, and yeah. I, I remember in scholars, um, we dropped them into scholars, and there's people there, and the local the local media, and everybody was taking pictures, and you know, we signing autographs, and we had the big cup wheels, and I said. He wanted to go for a lawyer down, him and Tommy, and I said, look, I'll pick us up in two hours because we were heading out to the league. Mm. 
And I went back to the hotel. The two boys were still sitting in the bar, signing autographs, getting <laughs> pictures. They, you know, th- yeah. this was like, and then exhausted. This is just, this is just, and I suppose a generation that, you know, that is, we're losing them, you know, that yeah. the lines have passed away. And But the legacy continues. And like, Saturday, we'll, we'll celebrate his life in Celtic Park. And I'm sure his funeral will, will, will be sad, but it will be a celebration of this great man. Mm. And hopefully on Saturday, Celtic will clinch the league. Andrew, have to leave it there today. Thanks for your lovely words. Jerry, thanks very much for having us. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Andrew Millen there, PRO of St. Margaret's Celtic Supporters Club, paying tribute to the late, great Billy McNeil. May he rest in peace. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. If you're in an office today, maybe even at home you have it as well, take out an an A4 sheet of paper. You know the size of an A4 sheet of paper? It's about a foot by eight inches, I'd say, using the old measurements. I'd say that's roughly the size. And just think about that space, the space afforded by an A4 sheet of paper. And consider this, over two million hens in this country live in that space every single day of their lives. Is that right? Well, the ISPCA have taken a stand on this and come out and spoken about it in recent days and I'm joined on the line by a very good friend of the show. He's CEO of the ISPCA, Dr Andrew Kelly. Andrew, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for taking our call. Andrew, this is something we have touched on on a number of occasions over the years on Late Launch, especially with Nikki Kyle, our organic gardening guru, who keeps hens herself. And my word, I've seen Nikki cry considering the lives that hens lead. They're called battery hens, as we know in this country. Andrew, is this a first for the ISPCA to come out on this topic, or have you been banging this door for a while? Well, the ISPCA has always been opposed to intensive farming of any kind, whether it's laying hens or eating chickens or pigs, uh, all of which have uh, some welfare issues in Ireland. But we've joined together with um, around 140 organisations across Europe. Uh, The ISPCA is a member of Eurogroup for Animals, and we're working with Eurogroup and Compassion and World Farming on this issue. And, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, around 2 million uh, laying hens in Ireland uh, are living in, in so-called enriched cages, uh, so, so that the name itself is very misleading, uh, where, where they have an, on average uh, 70, 75 square centimetres, which as you say is roughly the size of an A4 sheet of paper. And we don't think that's good enough. We want consumers to take a stance and only buy uh, free-range, barn or preferably organic um, and, and, and send a message to the intensive farmers that really it's time to end the use of cages for laying hens in Ireland and indeed across Europe. Do you believe you'll get a hearing, Andrew, or can this happen? The demand for eggs is huge and it's a big business and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bit of muslin behind that as well. And, you know, when it comes down to profit, this is what it's about, profit and turning a profit for these people. To do it any other way, they'll say to you, is impractical. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, uh, yes, of course, people will say that it's impractical and that people demand um, uh, cheap uh, food and, and so on. But the reality is that European citizens have made it clear that they will uh, pay a a dividend for higher welfare food. Uh, And the European Commission published a report in 2016, which made that quite clear. And that included a survey of Irish citizens. So in in Ireland, um, you know, we're already halfway there because 54 percent are living in cages, which means 46 percent are already either free range barn or organic. And we just have to get an extra push to make that happen. And it is happening. Uh, Large retailers such as Tesco and Marks and Spencers have already committed and are already doing this uh, only to sell and use uh, eggs from uh, free-range set-ups. So many retailers have already taken the step. Many producers are taking that step. But, of course, they need a market, so they have to depend on the retailers buying their product. Um, uh, But but we're seeing a move towards this. uh, And some countries, uh, for example, uh, Austria and Germany, are moving towards banning cages altogether. So, So not only are we asking consumers to take a stand, but we're also asking the government to introduce a legislative ban on enriched cages by 2025. And that gives producers and retailers plenty of time to adjust to a higher welfare system. And I've I've heard and spoken to um, some producers who produce half free range and half intensive from enriched cages, and they want to move towards free range, but they have to have a market. So we are working with retailers and, and producers and, of course, consumers to make this happen. So free range will mean that the hens have an ability to roam. They'll have space. They can move about freely, be that indoors. Well, outdoors is probably a bit of a a bridge too far at this stage, is it? Well, free range, of course, they do get outdoors. They also have access to... Uh, things like shrubbery uh, and mm. um, higher perches, like the, in the wild, of course, jungle fowl would would perch high up in trees, and and hens still show that behaviour. They want to perch high up, and it's an anti-predator thing 
even though when they're in cages they don't have predators, they still want to show that behaviour. They still want to perch high up. They still want to forage and scrape in the ground looking for food. Um, now, the enriched cages allow some of that behaviour, but not all of it. And of course, they're indoors all for the for their whole lives. Um, so, so free range, they get out for part of the time, but of course they come in at night. Um, similarly with barn, uh, but of course organic uh, get out for longer in, 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 the, in, in the fresh air and sunlight. And when they go inside, they have more space. So, so we would recommend uh, people to, to go for organic first, but certainly free range or barn eggs are better for, for, for the birds than the enriched cages. Now, uh, we have advanced somewhat in, in that um, so-called barren cages were banned some time ago, but it's time to take that next step um, for, for laying hens in, in, in Ireland and in Europe. And I just want to remind listeners, we can all make a difference because when you're buying your eggs, there is a mark on the egg. As Andrew said there, there'll be an O for organic. They're the ideal. The number one on the pack means that the egg is free range, two originating from a barn, and three is for caged hens. So you know what to do now. Yep, and they are clearly marked, as you say. Um, And people can also sign a a petition if they are interested in this issue and want to help. It's called a European Citizens Initiative petition. Uh, And essentially, if we can get a million signatures across Europe, the European Commission must take steps and and say what they're going to do about this issue. Uh, And we're already over 800,000 signatures uh, in conjunction with our colleagues in in 140 organisations across Europe. Only 7,000 in Ireland so far have signed a petition, and we've got a target here of 30,000. So so your your, your listeners, if they would like to sign a petition, can do so on on our website. Um, and um, they can find the, the, the website address there for the petition, and please do sign it. OK, that's ispca.ie, Andrew, yes? Uh, that's right, yeah, absolutely. OK, so that's the website, and you can sign the petition to end the cage age. Andrew, while I have you with with you, just in a separate matter, and yeah. I, I know you're not prepared for this one, but I wanted to just uh, tell you a wee story. In Dundalk at the weekend, right, there was a lady out walking two small dogs on leashes, mm-hmm. right, down the street in public view, two little things. When an Alsatian, a young Alsatian, came up, nobody with the dog, just running free, Andrew, a young dog running free, and attacked the little dogs, right? And had one of the little dogs in its mouth, like, and the situation was dire. The lady was in huge distress. A motorist jumped out of the car and rescued the little dog from the Alsatian with Mm -hmm. a lot of difficulty, we have to say, and it got really dangerous. But I just wanted to ask you about that. Dogs running free like that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, first of all, under the Control of Dogs Act, Jerry, all dogs must be under what's called effective control. And that would normally mean be on a lead in a public place. So if you're walking your dog, you really should have it on a lead in a public place, unless it's a safe place to let it off. And unless you are uh, you know, fully uh, uh, convinced that your dog will, is, is friendly with other dogs. Mm. The, the other thing about German Shepherd dogs is they're on uh, what's called a restricted list. No, dog, no breed of dog is banned in Ireland, Jerry, but some have other restrictions on them. And German Shepherd dogs are, are on that list. And that means that in a public place, they must be on a lead of no more than two metres in length. And they should be muzzled um, in, in a public place as well. Now, if the owner of that German Shepherd had complied with the law, mm. it would not, even if it had uh, attacked the, the, the little dog, it wouldn't have been able to do any damage yes. because it would be wearing a muzzle. Mm. So, uh, you know, the ISPCA promotes responsible dog ownership. First of all, all dogs should be microchipped. 
um, so that uh, they can, the, the owner can be traced in the event that it gets lost. Um, but also uh, so that the owner of, uh, of dogs that do something like this can be identified also. Now, I don't know what's happened to the German Shepherd, whether it's whether it's been picked up as a stray dog or not. Um, but, but since it was out on its own, it would be considered to be stray uh, and the dog warden uh, should be called in, in such circumstances. Mm. But the lady who owns the little dog, uh, if, if they can trace the owner of the German Shepherd, can, of course, consider bringing a civil action um, and, and that might involve getting the dog wardens involved, but also getting a solicitor involved. There's no Dangerous Dogs Act in, in, in Ireland as, as there is in England, but as I say, the, the German Shepherd is on the restricted list, but all owners must keep their dogs under control at all times. Thanks for that, Andrew. It's just a story we've uh, picked up in the, in, in the last while here, and, and well done to that gentleman who actually intervened because it was a, a very dangerous situation and he had to run the gauntlet. Of that dog was in attack mode, but he did, yeah. and uh, the dog then ran off and, and the lady was badly shook up and the little dog as well but thankfully uh, they're making a, a recovery at this stage but just back to the, the original point of our discussion uh, the campaign is called End the Cage Age and we really would like people to get behind this and sign it it's not right for a hen a laying hen to be uh, restricted so much during their lifetime and you can see the petition it's on ispca.ie Dr Andrew Kelly as always thank you so much for joining me on the show Thanks, Jerry. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's Dr. Andrew Kelly there. We're heading towards our next break on Late Lunch, still to come on the show this afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk to a young woman from Loud about cosplay. What is that? You'll find out if you stay with us. There's a GoFundMe page set up for a mead motorcyclist injured in a very serious accident. And yes, we'll be tasting the best sausage in Ireland, made by Chutes. My next guest's hobby is becoming something much more in her life. You see, Mary Therese Ward is a cosplayer with a growing reputation. What I hear you say? A cosplayer? Well, let's find out. She's here with me in studio. Mary Therese, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today. And you've brought with you, well, I'll tell them what you brought with you in a moment. What is a cosplayer? Cosplay in general is a portmanteau of the words for costume and play, where people would wear, preferably make, but a lot of them will actually buy kind of their own costumes of a, their favourite character, be it from a game or an anime or a comic or anything like that throughout the years. Um, and then they will attend conventions, a lot of conventions throughout Ireland, but even throughout the world, cosplay is an absolutely huge thing. It is yeah. massive. And I only realised that when you were coming here today, <laughs> how big this thing is. Absolutely massive, yes. Now, Let's go back a bit with you. Are you a gamer? Is is that fair to say? I am indeed. I, I started gaming, shall we say, 15 years ago. Um, and ever since then, I, I've kept it going. <laughs> and, and these are games, video games you play, computer games you play? I mainly started on PC games. Okay. Like that as well, where console gaming and everything. Okay. Now, but yes. And would you have been on Xbox and... Oh, yes. <laughs> PlayStation? <laughs> a, a bit of everything. What's yes. your favourite console? For the moment, um... Mainly the Xbox. Okay, still, it's there's, still there, there is There's a lot of more games that are just exclusive to it, so yeah. I, I prefer those. And it's had so many iterations or uh, new fangled oh. forms of it in those 15 years, oh, hasn't yes, it? Oh, yes, very much so. We've got and have you moved with them, yes? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got the recent one um, in the past few months because I was kind of holding back and working more on the cosplay and yes. things like that. But um, yeah, now that I have it, it's, it's quite a bit. And now, isn't it true to say, with this uh, World Wide Web and everything, you are part of a worldwide community that play each other and against each other, yes? Oh, there is indeed, yes. Uh, the Xbox Live and everything like that. Mm. Oh, so much so. We can literally, we, we 
be playing alongside your friends in America or Germany or anything like that yes. and chatting to them in real it's time. Incredible, it's isn't absolutely it? fantastic. What's your favourite game? Oh, at the moment I'd have to say Assassin's Creed Odyssey due to the recent character I've made. Okay, yes, and that definitely. again is another famous name of a game as it well, is, isn't indeed. it? It is indeed. It's their recent one in their series. Okay, and are you one of these ones who's waiting for the release date to get there first and have it? I, I definitely was for that one, but I was actually working on the cosplay at the time. So okay. I was like, okay, I have to hold off a few weeks to get this one. <laughs> okay, so what you've so done is you're a gamer originally, you've gone through the different iterations of the machines, all the new games, and you have your favourites, etc. But uh, besides this, there are co- gaming conventions, yes. There are indeed, yes. And this is where this cosplay thing has mm-hmm. come to the fore with you, yes. yes it is, yes. So yeah. you've brought the well. There's one like a, a Roman centurion. Yeah, that this is um, the main protagonist from the game Assassin's Creed. Um, her her character. Um, her name is Cassandra, and she is basically a mercenary. Um, who's hired literally to do all the different quests and yes to get rid and of and you have our sword as well here I have, have indeed it is her sword, her sword which is made of 3D and then her actual spear as well did you make these I did indeed here yeah. give me that sword for a minute give I'm half sword. afraid picking it up look at this <laughs> but you know what it's featherweight what did you make that out that's of that's 3D so it's um, it's designed in 3D and then it's printed using uh, filament which is just plastic recycled it's plastic beautiful isn't it yeah. look at the what's that animal on, on the handle and there a nice big snake snake oh, is the handle and everything yes right yeah on that one there and and the helmet itself which I yeah. like listeners can't see it but I will tell you it is like a Roman centurion that she wears but you know something it's so light Mary it is it's very light it's made out of um, EVA foam which is it's basically the foam mats that you use for exercising and then skinnier versions of it so the top piece you can see is the 10 mil is a thicker one and then the skinnier versions and you just shape it as you want it stick it together using contact adhesive or hot glue and you made this from, made scratch from scratch and coloured it and everything yeah I started off by literally wrapping my head in um, a bit of um, cling film obviously leaving holes for so I could breathe, <laughs> to breathe and then putting some masking tape around it and building it then then you have your pattern and then you start with that so it'll fit perfectly you are head. one talented lady <laughs> this is perfectly. fantastic and the other one there what's the other one you have this is my recent one as well this is from um, uh, the Astrid's from the new um, How to Train Your Dragon oh yeah I'm working on that at the moment and that's, that's featherweight light isn't it, it? Is. that it's one there so, so light so it I, really I built is. her costume in about a week and a half I didn't give myself much time to do it but mm. I, I didn't get it fully finished and it isn't fully finished as of yet yeah. But, um, yeah but you are making waves with this you've been really you're at this since what the spring uh, of 2018 year, yeah about year, a year yes. yeah. and you've gone to these conventions and you see those competitions you get up on stage mm. and do your little piece don't you as well yes. as wearing this stuff yeah you show, you show off what you made you do your bit of a performance and everything as well for the judges and get marked on see how you do with them yes and you have carried away several <laughs> prizes I have indeed yes yes, yes. Um, I went to my first convention uh, on the 1st of April last year 2018 and my very first costume walked away with the best craftsmanship award and then since then my second costume Demon Hunter has walked away with quite a few awards from master categories and pro categories even from Omnicon in Limerick which is run by fellow mm. cosplayers and mm. um, so in the master category for that and then my Cassandra cosplay um, as in February of this year she became the masters category winner at Shurikon in Dublin and due to the fact of winning that I'll actually be able to go back as a judge next year Terrific so you that. are really making waves in this business not doing too bad. <laughs> is there is there is there something in this for you? Do people 
what I'm saying is, could you become a creator, a maker of these things? Oh, definitely. And, and make it into a and, business and people, for yourself. People have done a lot. A lot of people have done, and they they are full time cosplayers, and that's what they do. Um, I'd absolutely love to be able to do that. Is that what you want to do? I would love to be able to do that for people. Um, I'm hoping to start working on commissions and be able to make other costumes or props or accessories for people in the future. And hopefully, <laughs> what I can do, yes. Isn't this just the dream that somebody is doing something that they absolutely love mm-hmm. and have shown a talent for? Were you an artist at school? Were you creative growing up? You did go to DKIT. I did. I did creative multimedia at ah, DKIT. You see, I did indeed. You're a creative woman. <laughs> There's creative genes. Yeah, yes, there surely yes. is. Um, and so then you went back to learn more on, on this theme, did you? Since? I went back to do uh, 3D for gaming. Yeah. So I had a bit of 3D experience and I went back then um, due to my love of 3D and of gaming and combining it all together. Mm. Um, and I, when I was out of work, I went back then to do that for a wee while. And then I just, since I was still out of work and I wanted to do this hobby for years um, and I had a bit of time to do so, I just got the stuff together. Mm. I had contacted other COD's players that were out there, two people in Dublin um, mainly that helped me. And they just, they told me where to go and what to do, yes. what kind of tools I'd need. And that's how I got started with it. It was fantastic. Well, you yes. are really going down this road at 100 miles an hour at the minute. How long would a costume, you know, with, with what we see here and the costume itself, how quickly could you turn them out? You know, I suppose that's Mo- a factor. Most of them, um, they'll take two and a half to three months, depending on how much time I have. That is mainly working with them in the Yes, business. you are working, I you know, to, and this is your hobby them, at the yeah. moment. Would you give up the old regular nine to five if this happened to take off for oh, you? Oh gosh, yeah, that's all. That's always an option. Yes, <laughs> and you see, you can do that at the minute. You mm. have the the best of both. Yes. But if you were at it full time, say you would at these full time, mm. how many do you reckon you could make? Depending on what it is, a lot of people would maybe just want the accessories, yes. not the full thing. Yeah. But I mean, you could easily produce it in a week or two. Right, but yes. they, they're obviously there's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot yes. of creativity. Yes. These won't go cheap to anybody they wouldn't they go they wouldn't go cheap no I mean even the supplies alone you can run into a couple of hundred euro mm. and things of that and are cosplayers willing to pay that type of money a lot for- of them would be There's, there are plenty out there who make their own costumes and they yes. would enter into, cost- into the competitions and things like that but there are plenty out there as well who would just make them um, or even just buy them as well from from other cosplayers and people who are open to commissions and things like that. That's great. I think that's stunning. You have <laughs> conventions coming up soon, haven't you? I yet? have some conventions coming up. I'm hoping to attend um, the Tullamore Library Comic Con. It's now on the 18th of May. It's their first year, so it'll be great to support them. And then um, one of the bigger ones I'll be attending will be the Dublin Comic Con in August in the mm. convention centre. Right. And they've been doing it for a few years and they have some A-list kind of stars. And do people come from other countries to that one in Dublin? Oh, they do yes. indeed. I mean, the attendance is 20,000 over the two days. Wow. <laughs> it's it's quite big. Yes. It's the things you find out about that's going on and you haven't a clue about it. It's amazing. And it's huge worldwide. Absolutely mm. huge worldwide. I mean, yeah. there's some fantastic um, ones over in London and things. I haven't attended any outside Ireland and I would absolutely love to as of next come on, year. Come on, steady we'll as you go. Is you're doing really well on the home front. That'll just happen by That'll extension. Happen, yes. When I see you and see this brilliant walk that you brought to us today. Mm. Photography is in your remit as well, isn't it? You, you're yes, very I, interested. I have worked with a few photographers uh, due to this and the local um, Boyne Valley Photography Club um, have generously taken me back twice. So I was working with them in November with my Demon Hunter cosplay and I got some fantastic images which they then actually brought to um, 
all Ireland competitions. Okay, and and photography man. competitions. Mm-hmm. So here's an yeah. offshoot of your work oh, yes. as well in another sphere. Yes, <laughs> there was one of the photographers, eh, Denny Gashi, and he actually he presented me with the piece he brought to the finals mm. um, early in early February, and I had a photo shoot with them in two uh, two weeks ago, and he presented me with the actual photograph. So I can't wait to get a framed. Oh, absolutely and fantastic! And oh, you you look marvelous. After, now the 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 mask and that they they, they close you down your image yes. and everything and just see the eyes and everything that goes mm. with it but they're so colourful you know and, and and they really do what you know the, what is the, the characters that are in the game should I say come to life oh, yes, with these so. don't they you do and you, you, you can take on the personality as well of them like if I was to take on Cassandra's personality she's she's a Roman person that likes to um kick ass I don't want to say <laughs> um, and uh, it's trying to stay in character but also trying to talk to people and then when you see when you're at a convention and you see children their eyes just you know they, they're bright they light up and it just light up and because it's you are but that character in real life to them coming out exactly. you know in front of them and here you are having gamed with here them here you are and it's the same with some of my friends as well that um, are cosplayers and when they're the likes of Supergirl or Batman and you just see these children and they think that they are the exact you no know, they yes. are that superhero hmm. and their eyes really just light up and I think it's absolutely fantastic when you game you know, and you're a long time gamer. Mm. Is it something that you need to do? It's one of those things that you get your. I I was a lot like that. From it. I suppose um, in my later teens, I was very mm. much so. When I played World of Warcraft, I was very, very into it and had to yeah. kind of play most evenings. Um, but as of now, no. I mean, every now and again, you do a few hours some evenings and things like that. For yeah. me, <laughs> any free time I have was usually is, making costumes. Now? Yeah, so <laughs> yes, it's it's yes. moved into that aspect it of it for you. I, I'm bringing the characters I like to life instead of just playing. I with them think like you're this. great. I really do. <laughs> when I see this and see what you've produced here, and I, I I want to wish you well. I want to just bring you to the airwaves today. And we saw your story in the Democrat last week, and we wanted to meet you. Of course, we did. And uh, well done to you I wish you you well going forward I think you have a well of talent may I say uh, Mary Therese and go for it come on it's there we can see it and we wish you well in the future and I'm sure you'll be back here someday maybe she won't she'll be just out there in that international (laughs) world and in demand oh I'll be happy to come back ah great I'm (laughs) delighted to hear that but for the moment Mary Therese Ward well done and thank Thank you for joining me on Lakeland thank you Philip McNally from Trimmon County Mead and his good friend Hugh Smith from Tala are in hospital in Dublin following a serious accident at Mondello Park in Kildare earlier in the month. GoFundMe pages have been set up and there's a major appeal on to help both of these good guys. And joining me to tell me more is Tosh Barry. Hello, Tosh. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks a million for joining me on the show. Will you just tell our listeners for a moment what happened, the boys? Um, the lads were just taking part in a sidecar racing event in Mondello and had a bad accident on one of the corners. Um, so, unfortunately, the two of them ended up with pretty serious injuries out of it. And they're still hospitalised as we speak, yes? They're still hospitalised, yes. Um, Hugh is back in Talla Hospital and Philip is still in ICU in the matter. Mm. And both these guys are self-employed fe- employed fellas. Uh, Philip is a, a panel beater, a mechanic. Uh, Hugh owns his own business as a tree sergeant. And these guys ain't going to be working for a while. This is it, yeah. This is the problem. So this is why it, all the communities really got together and decided to try and help them out as much as we can. Um, they have a long road ahead to recovery. Yes. Um, so 
there's been a great response so far and the families would like to thank everybody that's, that's helping out and all the well wishes really and to emphasise this they won't have income they don't have income protection mortgages have to be paid medical insurance is an issue across the board this is a really worthy cause for both fellas yeah exactly Jerry. yeah yeah there's unfortunately been no insurance which what they were doing so yeah day to day expenses obviously mortgages and possibly adaptations to the houses and that so um, mm. yeah so what's happened here is uh, we have the families and friends in Talla in Dublin uh, where Hugh Smith is from and we have yourselves in County Meath and Trim Philip McNally's family friends and community have separately organised GoFundMe pages how can people get to the page and support you yeah, if you want to go fund me and you search for Hugh Smith or you search for Philip McNally, um, the page will be there. Um, it's been shared around social media as well. Um, there's going to be more fundraising events for the two guys, uh, joint events and, and stuff like that, um, to, to try, and, try and keep them going, you know? Yes. And, and and Philip, I want to say about Philip, just to remind people, he's a real good fella in terms of helping others himself because he's a great supporter of Deborah Ireland and the Movember thing and everything like that, hasn't he, in the yes, past? Yes, yes, we've done the Deborah Ireland half marathon a few times and he sported a, a, a dodgy moustache for a month in November for for cancer, so he's always up for, for a bit of fundraising. We also did a coast-to-coast race himself and him for um, a little boy that was local boy that had leukaemia so we, we raised a few bob for him for yeah. just to help out the family we were also then he was part of our team this year we were going to take on the race around Ireland cycle race as an eight person team yes and again we were going to raise a few bob for a couple of charities but um, we've decided to go ahead with that now and, and, and raise a few bob for, for, for Philip there as well so. yeah so the GoFundMe is doing well so far, but it needs more support. And there's a target, is it a combined 200,000 each? It's a big ask on each side. But, you know, with the push and with the goodwill and everybody understanding uh, the need here, I'm sure it's it's attainable and, and well attainable. So GoFundMe... Yeah, over a long period. It's yeah. been a great response in such yes. a short period of time. And obviously a bank holiday weekend, people are away and other expenses. But, yeah, over over... The next few months and that we hope to do other yeah. events and keep I'm, it going yeah yeah I know and, and, and look this is a great country and great people and people are so brilliant when it comes to Amazing. getting out and supporting and I know it's going to happen here for Philip and Hugh as well thank you for joining us today I do appreciate it and we'll share details on our social media here in LMFM to try and get the message out as far and wide as we can Tosh Thanks very much, Jerry. You're very good. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Right, That's bye-bye. Tosh Barry there talking to me about his good friend Philip McNally and Hugh Smith. Remember, if you go in on GoFundMe, uh, you'll find them there. Philip McNally or Hugh Smith, and it'll bring you to the page there. My God, they were enjoying themselves. Their sport, motorcycle, sidecar accident and serious, serious injuries for both men. We wish them well with that fundraising campaign. How many times have I been in the shop with you, Eddie Chute, since this? And you never said it to me that you won this beautiful big cup that I have here beside me. Congratulations, Supreme Champion Sausage Maker for 2019 of a speciality sausage, yes? Speciality sausage, Dan Kelly Soda. So you've brought them in here today, a few of them for me to taste. How have you cooked these? I done them today on the barbecue. You can and see the little the way they caramelised. Okay, so the thing is about this sausage, the Dan Kelly cider, is that the key ingredient? Yes, and, and the pork. Of course. 
<laughs> it wouldn't I have to say the poke I'm getting at the moment is from a chap called Mary. Colin Mary. Yes, we know him. He feeds the pigs on olive, black olive. Yes. And the flavour from the Dan Kelly and the pork is unbelievable. So the it's combination of both. Both, yeah. And of course, Eddie's, Eddie Chute's wizardry behind the scenes in making the sausage. Well, see, when, I, when I won the competition, my son took the trophy up to the, to the lounge street. Okay. And Jerry, that's why I forgot to say it. <laughs> well, it's here beside me today. Can I taste? Can I taste? taste? Yeah. Can I just, you've cooked these. No, no, let me see here. The lovely moist and soft sausage. Mm. Auntie. And I'm getting the, the cider. So, yeah. It's a lovely sweet. I use the one he has, a whiskey flavour cider. Mm. Beautiful cider. Oh, that is just gorgeous. As you say, it is so moist. So tell me this without giving away your trade secrets. In this sausage here is excellent pork. How much? What's the quantity of I tell of you pork? the quantity, right? Yeah. I give it to the impounds, right? We use mm. 80 impound of pork. Okay? Mm. You use three quarters of a pound of seasoning. Mm. which we make up ourselves with spices, pepper, salt, you know what I mean. That's your secret, that's is the, it? That's the ingredients. You'll never reveal that, will you? Ah, when I say a few lads will walk me, you never know it, you know okay. what I mean. But I'm one of these that have no problem sharing with another butcher if mm. they want to be shared with. Mm. But um, I was coming coming down to Boyne Valley one day and uh, I was thinking to myself, what sausage will you know sausage to make? And I remember truffing the archers as a, as a kid. <laughs> McDesis. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a while ago. Mm. And I said, you know, apple and pork go well together. So I rang Olin McNeese and he, he said, belt away. And he didn't hear any more from me. Mm. And that was for the qualifiers. And the qualifiers were in June, which we did the Leinster Championships. Yes. So we won the Leinster Championship with it, which goes into, say, the Leinster, Leinster Monster and Connacht. Yep. And there's two people from Leinster, two from Connacht, two from Munster and two from... You know, provisions go to the final. Yeah. So there's eight sausages in the final. You know what I mean? There's there's eight. There was two from Kerry. Yeah. You know, from the north. Yeah, we get it. There's yeah, two right. from each province there. Province. Okay, so you're there representing. Len- Who else got through in Leinster? Um, Don't mind me. I'm just eating sausages butcher here. From, a butcher from a butcher from a butcher from Port Arlington. Mm. He's a very nice chap. He actually made a sausage last week. <coughs> excuse me, a couple of weeks ago with Red Bull. Gives you wings, Eddie. And I said to him, I was thinking about it. <laughs> so I said, no, I'll have to make a different sausage. He's, 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 we, we, me, me and this little lad, we, we, keep in, we keep in touch, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a competition. He's a long way from me, I'm a long way from him. Mm. So we're, we're just good friends that way. But um, anyway, as I said, what goes well with pork? And I said, apple. And then I said, we try cider. And Jesus was a hit straight away. Well, I can understand why it's a hit, because they're absolutely beautiful, Eddie. You keep talking there. I just want to keep eating on late lunch. I'm finished talking for the rest of the day. Go on ahead there. No problem. But um, the reason I'm I'm launching them out this time of the year, I think they're going to be fantastic barbecue sausage. And it's just in time for the season after the weekend. Come back to this. You said 18 pounds of pork. 18 pounds of pork. Go on. One and a half bottles of Dan Kelly soda. Okay. A handful of ice, two handful of ice to keep it nice and cool, and your seasoning, and a small bit of rusk, only a small bit of rusk because that's the point of the ghetto. And that pork that you put into those sausages, is that is there is there fat in these sausages? It would be seventy percent lean, eighty percent lean. Sorry, but you told me before if you don't have an element, oh, you of have fat to have the twenty percent of the sausage. You have to have it for flavour. Like we make a turkey sausage, yeah, and it's a turkey sausage. It would be one hundred percent lean. I think, you know, they're a big seller, but 
They're not the flavours not there. I've tasted them and with no disrespect, no. they're dry. Oh, unbelievable. See, people love them. People, use them, people bring them home, they dry. boil them, yeah. they poach them, that's the way they do it. But you have to have that in it. So you make up and you mix all that together and you put it into the casing. Yes, but natural casing. Now I noticed about these, is that important, natural casing? Very important. The whole flavour. The whole flavour as well holds the whole flavour. It's natural casing. Artificial casing for deep fat fryers, for fast foods, for factories, for mm. anything you want, but not mm. for a butcher sausage. Not sauces. for at home. Not for a butcher sausage. Now, these what are what I would call a jumbo size sausage. Jumbo size Do sauces. you do them in the smaller size? No. No. You won't get the, you'll never get the flavour in the smaller okay. size. Okay. Now, if I weren't cooking that sausage on a barbecue, Eddie Chute, how would you recommend I cook it? Very, very slow in the pan. How do you get, you see that, like, you know, I'd be trying to turn the sausage on the pan and you get it on one side and then you'll get it on the other. It's very hard to get those, you know, the, the two side. parts I'm talking about on the, the side. Only, the only way you'll get that done if you put in a deep fat fryer. I but, don't want to do that. But they're not a deep fat fryer sausage. No. But is it still well cooked if it's you do it well slowly cooked. on each side, well, even if you don't get the middle I bits? cooked them in the barbecue today for, say, 12 to 14 minutes at a very low temperature. You're not a fan of a grilled sausage? No. Why? Oh, you can't grill an egg, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's many things you can't so why, grill, So why would you grill a sausage? <laughs> but you can, oh, Eddie. You can egg. grill a sausage. <laughs> I, I, I will get in trouble with this. <laughs> the wife, she cooks on Sunday mornings. She grills the sausage. But now I have a chance. Oh. She fries them for me. <laughs> Took a long time. But I remember you saying this to me before. You're adamant about that, that you'll get the best flavour if you do them on the pan. Now... Mm-hmm. here's the thing about them as well so jumbo sausages barbecue yes uh, fry them on the pan do mm-hmm. them slowly how many minutes would you give that sausage how, how long would it I take done to do bit, I done them for 14 minutes ok so you'd need yeah. to do that on the pan as well yeah. slowly, on, slowly on a medium heat medium. on each you side start them off, you start them off in a good heat and then you bring them down slowly mm. you know what I mean now storing sausages if I buy sausages off you how long can I store a sausage for how long will that sausage that store sausage in the fridge that sausage in the fridge for about 6 days but the, do you know what I find is very good for, for sausages and for everything tin foil Put them in foil. Get them out Wrap of the plastic. Put them in tin foil, into tin foil, and it keeps a lovely cold temperature. And don't put... The, the plastic, you must oh, get off them. Must right. straight away. Yeah. Can you freeze sausages? Of course then? you can. You can freeze anything. You can freeze the sausage. The sausage will come out if you defrost it properly. You don't cook, You don't defrost it overnight. You defrost it in the morning, or you defrost it in your fridge. But don't have it overnight, because what happens is it gets sloppy. It's... Everything happens goes wrong because they're half cooking. You know okay, I mean? so if you're going to use them in the evening, take them out in the morning, morning and put time. them in your fridge, put and they'll be ready for cooking that evening. Out, come on, okay, evening. no problem. I have to say, <laughs> I'm eating away here. You know. Well, we we entered a special speciality competition. Mm. I say maybe ten or twelve times in the last ten or twelve years. We, every year we put something in, and the closest I came was second, which was last year, 2016, I think, fifteen, sixteen. And I had, a, I had a lovely. I'm using local products, mm. and I used drum, drumina, or drum, drum and house garlic, garlic, Marita yeah. Varley, yeah. And now she's bringing me out a black garlic, and I'm going to make a black garlic sausage. For <laughs> Eddie, come here. Your family is steeped in the butchering tradition. A long time about it. That was the breakfast sausage. Is the breakfast sausage still the oh, most popular? Oh, very popular. Your own breakfast. Oh, it's, oh, it's a great sausage. Folks, I'm even saying that here today. I love it. It's <laughs> a great sausage. I have to say. A great sausage. It's still the number one, isn't it's it? It's still the number one. And it'll always be number one. It's a, it's a fantastic sausage. I started making sausages. I was actually trying to think coming up today where a man by the name of Michael Brown 
and he was he was a sausage maker. He made sausages all his life, and he was making them in bones along with a man by the name of Quinn. And I think I was probably about ten or eleven when he showed me how to make sausages. But he was a genius. Mm. Oh, he was a genius. And you've taken that with you. Yeah, he and showed me a lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. But it's fantastic, you know what I mean? When you think of, you know, in, in, the, in the early days, it was just the breakfast sausage, but all these variations now. Yeah. The sky's the limit, is it, Eddie, with this? The sky's the limit, but the ingredients, you see, a lot of people, you can get ingredients for, say, pork and leek, you can get ingredients for chilli sausage, any ingredients you want. But you need, I like the, I like the ingredient that comes local. Mm. I like say, something that comes from Stamina, or something that comes from Baltray. Yes. And the pork comes from, from Slane, and the other pork comes from Junistown. Oh, there's some great names in that trophy. I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at all the names in the yeah. trophy. But Toots is going to be on it now from yeah, Drawdy shortly. And look at yourself there with the die in the herself. Queen, huh? The Queen, Darina yeah. Allen. Oh, she's the Queen. She likes them. She, first thing she said when she saw the sausage of the competition, she was blown away by the casing. Hmm. Everybody was using the shortcut. Artificial casing. Quicker to make the sausage, pump them out in the machine, but she says they were handmade. Hmm. Now she's sitting right taste them. She knew straight away. She <laughs> came down to us there before Christmas and took some sausage back. Yeah. A lady. But she knows her food. Mm. Now, you won the sausage, which is the Supreme Award. This yeah. is the icing on the cake for it's you, and two, cake, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You said to me, this is the one you want to win. Second in the black pudding. Second in the black pudding. Along with, I just looked at there to see joint second with a butcher from uh, RD, Peter Callan. Callan's Yes. Well and known. it's great to see, you know, the tradition of families still making their product. This is the thing. There's so many mass-produced oh, yeah. foods now in the supermarkets and everything. There's definitely a oh, place yeah. for the family butcher ready. It's yeah. all... You need to go back to family for everything. Mm. You know, it's, it's, if it's shoes or it's clothes, wherever it is, we all look for quality. Yes. Same as... I could do shortcuts, use different casing. No. Mm. Well, I used the casing from the one company 40 years, mm. which is fantastic. You know what I mean? Um... Anything else you would like to <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's, there's loads, but I'm too busy with this sausage. Anyway, I, I do want to say, just before we go again, congratulations yeah. to you. We'll have you back. Remember, Eddie, you did a great series with us, Butcher Explains. We'll yes. have to revisit that again that was, on Late that was, Lunch. Uh, awfully nice. Uh, it was, indeed, yeah. it was. Anyway, well done to Toots. Thank you. And the sausages are available oh, right way, now. They're, they're under European champion this year in, in October. You're going out there with them We're as going well. going out to France. Watch this space. It could be Europe-wide in the EU. Hopefully. But forget I'm about Brexit. For Chute sausage, the cider. Yes, it's the one you ask for. It's the supreme champion for 2019. Congratulations to you all Thank in you. all three shops: it's a, it's Bull Ring, a, Lawrence Street, and Ballamacary Road. Event. Absolutely, yeah. the team are so important. But thank you for coming to us today, Eddie. And we'll enjoy these in a sambo now after the show. <laughs> Thanks a million. Okay. And we'll dedicate this one to you. Oh yes, it's your song, Eddie. All right, it's Don Baker, winner in you. <laughs> See you tomorrow. like to lose a love I've done it enough and I ought to know then you came my way and tore away the fear and pain I won't close again this time I know I've got a wiener in you 
Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Cartmacross Credit Union likes to say I do when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Cartmacross or cartmacrosscu.ie. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.